Hello, everybody. It's Marilyn Harris here, and uh, we're doing a show about how to create a family legacy. And I'm interviewing Dawn um, as uh, one of our speakers today. And uh, so, welcome, Dawn. Well, thank you, Marilyn. Nice to be here. Yeah. So, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? And I know you have a book, and you got through cancer and you're doing hospice work now and chaplain work. So maybe you could tell a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I was an attorney who never liked it. So started <laughs> went back on, started all over again in ministry. And then all of a sudden I got cancer and that was my company for 11 years. And, uh, and in 2010 in this really a surprising miraculous recovery wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. terminal cancer but uh, so that's the book is matchbooks in the tunnel um, and it's on amazon and so telling all about that so when i got well i was trying to figure out what to do with myself and somebody um, who's a friend is a nurse in hospice work and said why don't you try to be a chaplain in hospice and i, I kind of gone through that experience and thought well i'll give it a shot so mm -hmm. I did, that was in 2012. And so I've done it for nine years now. And mm -hmm. I, I um, find that it's extremely meaningful because all the conversations are meaningful conversations because um, right. of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I find that's what I like the most about ministry. So it fits me well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what do you find the most interesting thing about doing the type of work you're doing? besides having interesting conversations? I think that um, the human condition, uh, I majored in history in college. I've always been interested in why people do what they do, what mm -hmm. humanity is like and, um, and is all about. And, uh, and then I like the spiritual side of things that, right. that focus. So um, in hospice, you really have that in spades. You, do a lot of what's called life review, where mm. you uh, want to know about their lives, and you you are actually interested. I'm, as a chaplain or a spiritual counselor, I'm not there to tell them things. Mm -hmm. Like perhaps a pastor is more upfront in a church, which is the job. Right. I'm there, I'm there more to listen and mm -hmm. to come alongside them. There's a term out of the Middle Ages when hospice really is throughout history and that term is anam kara which means soul friend and mm -hmm. so really this person who comes alongside and tries to uh, help someone look at you know the things that really gone deep within us and, and which happened throughout our lives mm -hmm. but we only at certain times in our life you know stop to think about it and so i'm part of that and um uh, so that's it's very much the I think front and center with what human experience is all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always um, yeah. At the end of life, you sort of stop to think about you know, well, some people I guess stop to think about the inner, the inner spiritual self and how much stuff there's on the outer side of what's going on. Yeah. Do you act? Do you find yourself that you sit with people? To the very end or you you don't do that type of work um i i can't because i have too many patients uh, oh, okay 
you, uh, we in uh, hospice agencies have a team of people, including volunteers, mm-hmm. can do what we call vigil and right. trade off and can be with them for the last several days. Right. In the, in the Middle Ages, um, hospice was a very um, um, powerful and uh, uh, very much of a strong movement from about the year 1000 to 1500. And um, there would be a person, the Sanamkara, who would come alongside one person and really spend an incredible amount of time with them mm-hmm. uh, through their, their death. And so um, right. that was uh, fascinating. But things were entirely different back then with right. a lot less people. And so you have more, you know, less people to work with and um, life was immensely slower. So yeah. Things like that. Right, right. Yeah, I remember working with the, the hospice when my friend died and um, they just say, no, we're just hospice is the medical side. We don't, we don't work with the other side. Yeah. So it's just kind of like it, they were very clear, you know, when their job ended. And, um, and then she would say to me, well, you have any friends? Does he has any friends can sit with them? Cause he, my friend of mine um, passed away and I sat with him till he took his last breath. But, um, you know, I couldn't find really anybody that wanted to come and sit with me. Like, I'm not going to come sit with a dead person. He's not dead. You know, he's sleeping. <laughs> you know, it's in, in and out consciousness. So yeah. it's amazing, you know, like what people in their own fears get stuck on. That's right. And uh, it's interesting they said that person said that because hospice is really what I just described more than the medical. Um, right. The... Uh, movement in the middle ages stopped around 1500 and then nothing didn't there was some of it not much yeah. until the 60s the 1960s when a doctor in london Cecily saunders realized that the, doc, the doctors would go into these patients rooms in the hospital and say i'm sorry there's nothing more we can do right and then just leave them alone and uh kind of nobody would go in and talk to them or anything except the nurse come in and change the bag on the iv right so they were gone and she did this Sicily you know realized this is horrible right and so started the modern day hospice movement because people needed to address um what they were going through mm-hmm. uh, on the inside more than mm-hmm. their medical condition because right. their medical um journey is sort of over with it's mm-hmm. with really these days um hospice continues to provide good medical care and and there are people who get better on hospice um, because they they're treated a little differently because we're not pressing for a healing we're rather allowing your body to do what it wants to do sometimes people get better but um uh she uh came up with the question how are you within and that was the fundamental basis for the modern day hospice movement so But, you know, through practicalities and there's a physician and there is a, uh, a nurse and there's a, an aide. And so certainly you need medications and things to take care of you medically. And it starts to slide over to focusing that way. Mm-hmm. And so we as the, the chaplain, spiritual counselors have to keep reminding people, you know, there's this whole other side to it. And that's that's what we do. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about what, what you do and how you like to do it. Yeah. Um, well, it's very much of a team approach. The, um, the term palliative care means comfort care. And so the focus shifts away from throwing everything but the kitchen sink at you to try to keep you going and mm -hmm. make it well. And instead, we um, are focusing more on, it looks like it's not gonna work out. You, you get on hospice if a doctor gives you a diagnosis of less than six months to live. Mm -hmm. So it's still a long period of time. Right. And so um, the most people still don't realize that you don't call hospice at the last minute, like the last two days, like the last right. rites. When the Catholic Church no longer even has the last rites, they have sacrament of the sick, which so they come in sooner too. Right. So you want to get hospice on board as soon as possible because we uh, specialize in this time of life. It's the last chapter. Right. Um, and the you know Ernest Becker wrote this book in the seventies the denial of death and America's fear of death. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to die. You know, we don't want to talk about yeah. it. But throughout history, you know, cultures um, had death as just part of living that uh, right. you have the person at home, they would die at home. You'd leave them there for days and people yeah. come over and see the body. And it was very healthy for grieving, very much of a you would share the stories then instead of now we have you know one hour funeral and <laughs> the grave side and it's over um, right. and um, uh, so the you know the idea of death being part of living is very healthy and mm -hmm. so it's also free medicare pays for it right um, so there's no reason not to and then you have you can still see you know you know it's not like you have to leave all your your original doctors in the last 30 years you still see them, but yeah. it, it become this team approach. Mm -hmm. If you have a church or faith community who you're part of, you know, you keep them involved too. We just mm -hmm. are another additional help. And so we uh, provide the medical care you need. Often we'll withdraw a lot of medications and, and you actually start feeling better because you don't know right. all the side effects. Um, and the nurse comes regularly and, and they're the person you call when instead of calling 911 and we go to the hospital, the, just the nurse comes over and usually yeah. there's something simple to monitor. Uh, and we have a social worker to help you with the wills and those things. Mm -hmm. And then the spiritual counselor and it's the job is like it sounds, we counsel things of the spirit, you know, things that right. are going deep within. And so the um, questions of what do you talk about um, how do you deal with this time of life? Um, the spiritual counselor helps you with. Mm -hmm. If you want to face it, just as you know, I do a lot of weddings and mm -hmm. um, I meet the couples and talk to them about what they want. But and then I talk, ask them why are they getting married? You know, what's the purpose of it? What does it mean for them? Um, and uh, it's one of those moments in life where. They just stop and take stock and evaluate their values and their uh, sense of things from deeper within. Mm -hmm. So there's all these times in life where you do that. And so um, 
if someone can help you address that to where you uh, look at where you get your purpose in life, you look at issues like relationships, maybe need this restoration and um, um, someone that perhaps you could offer a little blessing to or whatever, um, that's really powerful. And it, you know, you don't stop living until you stop living. So um, just because you're really ill doesn't mean you still aren't living. Mm -hmm. still don't, these relationships still don't matter to you and it certainly matters to the other people. Right. So those are all kinds of things that um, um, you want to be thinking about and your you know, questions of faith and, and where that plays in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I uh, come out and, and either do an online or come out personally and visit uh, regularly to continue to have conversations, which is another reason to get in the hospice sooner because if you have a series of conversations you really can get somewhere and right. bring up some wonderful things that make you so much happier that you did that um, mm -hmm. I went to my high school reunion a couple of years ago and I, and at this point in my life I <clears throat> um, I have friends who've lost their parents and um, one of them was telling me the difference that the hospice chaplain made in the passing of his father with whom he was very close. Mm -hmm. And as he was talking about it, he's talking about the death of his father at a high school reunion with a drink in his hand. <laughs> and this smile comes across his face. And that was the gift the chaplain gave him because yeah. he helped him turn this very negative difficult, sad event into something that made sense and something right. that tied in uh, and connected him with his father. And so the last memory of his dad is a great memory. Uh, right. Um, Shakespeare, all's well that all is well that ends well is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You think of a lot of situations like that, that people um, like you were saying, they might bring in hospice at the last minute and it's like, it's like too late. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about your book? That sure. Yeah, thank you. The, um, I uh, had taken a long time to finally get up my job in my church as a senior pastor in a small church in the Bay Area. And mm -hmm. Uh, finally, I'm there and I'm enjoying it. And uh, <clears throat> because after I left law, I had to go back to graduate school and theology, start all over again. So, yeah. so it's a long process. So um, I'm doing this, but my health is bad, but I didn't know how bad. And I'm surprised with this terrible diagnosis. And I'm told uh, I have 11 years to live. I'm 48. And um, uh, it completely uh, caught me upside the head had no, no hint that I had cancer coming. Yeah. So um, uh, I didn't know what to do. And a close friend of mine was a uh, top cardiologist in Oakland. And he said, you do two things. Um, first, you find the best medical care you can, mm -hmm. which I did at Stanford um, Cancer Clinic and Stanford Hospitals, which was uh, treatment was fantastic and they really saved my life mm -hmm. um, so that certainly was important and, and I, I didn't go online looking for you know uh, medications and stuff yeah. I 
you know, you just forget all that. You just find a great doctor and then you turn your life over to, into their hands. Right. It makes your life a whole lot easier. Right. Um, and then the second thing he said is, you know, you pursue the spiritual side. You pursue how to deal with it, how the mm -hmm. questions and, you know, kind of what hospice work is about. So I really went through it myself before I became um, someone doing it for others. And um, I pretty quickly just thought, I believe in God and, and the statistics are not in my favor, but they're just statistics. I'm just an individual. I, I'm not defined by statistics. Right. And so um, I started pursuing all these paths for uh, healing and going to places and um, um, having uh, people pray for me and all kinds of things. And uh, so that's how I lived for 11 years was um, going back and forth between these uh, two uh, juxtapositions. I um, remember early on sitting in my car, I'd already been gone on disability, so I didn't have a job to go to. And um, I was living alone at the time. And um, it was the day was uh, uh, passing, the sun was going down over the bay. And I just sat there and just sort of reflected and um, could feel this sort of warmth eventually rolling up inside of me and a mm -hmm. sense of God's presence. And so um, uh, that, that sense of presence sustained me while I was getting chemo. I, I got the maximum amount of chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. I did a bone marrow transplant. Um, yeah, I, I had some pretty gnarly moments as well. And then uh, the cancer, the transplant seemed to be working and at the last minute it didn't. And so they thought it was uh, not gonna work out. It was all over. They're talking about brain chemo and I'm thinking, mm -hmm. I don't know that. And then I found this other person who uh, prayed for people who were ill and she prayed for me and all of a sudden the cancer went away. Uh, and, um, people at Stanford couldn't believe it. And, and so um, that's, the, that's the book. Uh, and the title is based upon the idea that uh, it's about, you know, I was in this dark tunnel mm -hmm. and then the light in the tunnel with me. My father was in politics and um, uh, would, would get tons of these matchbooks back in the day where you put your name on them so people would light their cigarettes they'd see the name and so that yeah. you know would familiarize them so we had thousands of these matchbooks around and i would just take a handful and go into a tunnel that ran beneath uh the streets where we live yeah and, uh, that was like this adventure and so i'd light a book at a time so the light would flare up and i could see for this radius of light around me and then it slowly fade away and i light another one <laughs> and the tunnel went left and right so you kind of just turn around and see the light at the end of the tunnel it was dark coming and dark going and that was a perfect metaphor for the experience with the cancer so i call mm -hmm. it match books in the tunnel mm -hmm. uh, and uh it uh um it, it's amazing how much goes into writing a book but it's i made it on purpose with short chapters and it's very readable and there's some humor mm -hmm. um, then there's some heartwarming parts it's not um, just a bunch of medical stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
So it talks about your story going through cancer and doing this and then get getting involved in being a hospice chaplain because you've already kind of semi-experienced it, right? Yeah. yeah. I The story ends with my recovery and what I look forward to. Uh, and then that's when I got the position as a chaplain. Oh, cool. Cool. So everything was meant for a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So um, if they want to get the book from you, Don, where can they get it from you? Oh, it's on Amazon. It's on uh, Amazon? Yeah. My last oh. name is Malford, M-U-L-F-O-R-D. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only Don Malford on Amazon. So if you can find my name or look under Matchbooks, okay. it'll pop up. Okay. Well, we'll get people to do that for you. And uh, I'll post that on your page when I post your uh, video and kind of podcast, I guess, if you will, and post and let people know where they can find you. And if they and if they want to work with you as a hospice, do they reach out to the agency or can they reach out to you? Um, that's a good question. People can uh, reach out to me specifically, but I'm my agency is uh, in San Jose. It's called With Grace Hospice. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, we... Uh, cover uh, this the from Menlo Park south to Gilroy and Fremont okay. south to Gilroy. Okay. And then oh, North with Grace with Grace with Grace Hospice. Hospice, okay. Yeah. I'm just writing it down so I can put it in there. Great. Well thank you so much for taking the your precious time with me Don I so appreciate it and uh, I wish you much success with your book and your new new um direction in life and and uh I hope you have a lot of fun with that thank you I really appreciate it Marilyn nice to be here you're so welcome and we'll be uh reaching out with you soon great okay great thank you okay I'm going to say goodbye to everybody and um if you are when you're listening to this um please leave a comment below so that um don knows that you're paying attention and you want if you want no more information i'll put it in there as well okay and be kind to each other that's all we have okay thank you bye-bye